and welcome back welcome back everybody lovely to have you listening in uh we're in the midst of the interview season or rather i should say interview prep season rolling into interviews imminently i hope all of you guys are practicing at home practicing in front of your mirrors in front of your housemates in front of your parents in front of your cats dogs etc etc um i'm back here with mitch how are you doing mitch i'm very well thank you aaron and i think you know given that we've been time stamping these episodes with how things are going with COVID, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we're, we're up to vaccine number four rollout now and monkeypox is starting to enter Australia. So, you know, when we're, when you're watching this episode or listening to this episode in a year's time, and we've already had many lockdowns by then, you know, just, just think about where we are now. <laughs> yeah, forward. exactly. I was working in the ED the other night and we had a, uh, somebody with suspected monkeypox or they claim to have monkeypox but they disappeared so we don't know what happened to them um i could be at the very epicenter mitch i could be spreading monkeypox as we speak we don't know how it's transmitted hopefully not through podcasts um we are here today as i mentioned in the midst of interview preparation season uh, to talk to you guys about probably the most important aspect of interviews and that is, of course, uh, accepting or rejecting an offer. And yes, we said the R word, rejecting. Uh, we're going to be discussing today how you actually navigate, um, or rather what you should think about when you receive, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, an offer to study medicine at a particular university. What are some things to think about? Um, you know, Should you accept straight away without reading the letter? Should you have a bit of a mull over it? We're going to talk about the factors that, that will sort of mold that decision. So um, I guess... We're going to split this podcast into two major themes of two major parts. The first part is going to be all about reasons why you should definitely accept your offer, no matter what it is. Don't even read it. Just click yes. And then we're going to play devil's advocate after that. And we're going to discuss why you should absolutely reject that offer. Don't accept it um, and do other things other than medicine. Right. So we're going to give you a very, very balanced perspective. And we're going to give you two extreme opinions, um, providing sort of valid points around both. And then hopefully you guys can sort of um, weed through that and figure out which of those you agree with and which of those you absolutely Well, not necessarily, you know, not do mm. medicine at all, but maybe choose not to do medicine that year in favor right. of something. Well, I, I did say it was going to be an extreme opinion. You, you can stop. <laughs> you can play good cop and I'll be bad cop, all right? Good. All righty. So we'll start with the, the sort of the absolutely accept medicine offer at all costs, no matter where it's from uh, point of view. Uh, Mitch? Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, sort of this is very much, I think, um, the Mitch perspective. We were discussing this a little bit before we started recording the episode, and Mitch was sort of very, very hardline on this side. Can you begin talking us through why you're sort of in that position? I think, I mean, I'm I'm one of the people that, that was very resolute in wanting to do medicine, and I suppose. I thought that I would go wherever I was accepted um, to shorten the duration that it took to get into a medical job. Um, I'd already done the undergrad sort of biomed process. Um, and I, at that point, I just thought, well, you know, I want to be a doctor. Let's try and take the shortest, most efficient route possible. And that doesn't involve rejecting a medical offer even if it does involve a few hurdles on the way such mm. as having to move states um i suppose you know having to 
do a course that might not have been, you know, in your first preference or second preference, um, but, you know, something that is still going to give you a medical degree at the end of the day. I think Aaron and I, we've, we've discussed this before that you all medical degrees in Australia, um, including, you know, like the new universities, um, if they provided that they have a pathway through to internship at the end in Australia are all created equal somewhat. <laughs> and, and, and that's because you, your employment opportunities are equal. Um, obviously they offer slightly different things, but from, a, from the standpoint of, will you get a job at the end? Will you become a doctor? They're all the same. So you shouldn't think, well, you know, is this one going to make me a doctor? Am, am I going to be able to achieve my goals? Yes, you should be able to do that through any medical course in Australia. I think if I've learned anything from sort of my, my first year interning, it's that when you land in the job, you just feel so absolutely lost and incompetent. It doesn't really matter um, what you, you know, where, where you studied. There's such a massive knowledge gap between you and other doctors that have been practicing, practicing even for a year. So the outgoing interns that it's a little bit silly to look at the university and think that that's going to make a difference. It's, it's such a massive step up. So, mm. um, by the way, the disclaimer is when I say in incompetent time, you know, using a little bit of levity, I don't actually mean I'm providing unsafe patient care. That's for opera. If you're listening, if our regulatory <laughs> body is listening, I'm doing my best and it's all very safe and timely yeah. anyway. So, um, yeah, absolutely massive jump up. So it's not going to make a difference, but, um, the other thing to think about is the sort of the, the trajectory uh, of the career, the duration of the career. So if we do a bit of quick maths, so Mitch, what we were saying that an undergrad degree, um, if you go straight into med is anywhere between five to six years, right? Mm. And if you do undergrad, anything plus postgrad, just the basic postgrad, that's usually around three years undergrad plus four years postgrad. That's without any sort of honors or masters or diplomas injected into that. Um, and then you become an intern and then you're an intern plus minus resident. Um, this sort of junior doctor, non, not specialized for, I guess, at least three years, at least that's mm -hmm. the best case scenario, right? Yeah, and sorry. I think that it's, it's important to note that all, when, when you come in as an, as an intern, doctors don't expect you or the other doctors at that point, don't expect you to know anything more than an intern. doesn't matter if you've done a PhD, doesn't matter if you've done a master's degree, doesn't matter if you have honors, you're an intern. Mm. which is a very junior doctor, which is what Aaron and I are now. So the, I think if you're thinking I should delay medicine in order to do another science degree to become more medically literate. No, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, why would you delay becoming a doctor, which is where, as Aaron says, you get the most experience, you know, working on the job anyway. It's an apprenticeship, right? So, you know, if you wanted to be a, like a plumber, for example, you wouldn't spend an extra year God, uh, in, in a, like a plumbing factory working out how, you know, all the plumbing equipment is made, uh, not gaining practical skills that you would in the actual apprenticeship. But as I was saying, so yes, you're, you're absolutely right. You're treated the same. It doesn't really matter what you have under your belt and your skill set would be the same. The PhD wouldn't make you a better intern, I don't think. Um, yeah. I, at least I'd have... I work with at least one one PhD. He's he's really really smart. Um, I don't I don't actually know <laughs> how much his PhD, which is I mean, really unless your PhD medicine. was in patient care or something yeah, exactly. like very, you know, patient facing, um, mm -hmm. and you had a jump on clinical skills, 
I, I still find like I, I really struggle to see how a PhD could help you as an intern, at least maybe down the track as we'll get to. But as an intern, no, won't make really much of a difference. Yeah. So as, as I was saying, at least six to seven years in university, plus another three, four years, at least as a junior doctor. And that's best case scenario. People could be spending up to seven years as a resident, you know, depending on what specialty they're trying to get into. Um, and then after that, that's when you start your specialty training, which is another five to seven years on top of that, right? And that's not including the fact that after your specialty training, you might want to be doing a PhD because it will get you a job at a bigger hospital, a better department. You might want to take a sabbatical. Yeah, there's all of these other things that go on top. So we're talking about a, a roughly a 20-year training period all up. And, you know, with every year, you're not getting younger. No, I'm, I'm not going to say that in a menacing way. But with every year delaying this process means you're pushing back the finish line um which you know if you have a retirement the finish line is death (laughs) no 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 um with every year you're sort of pushing back uh becoming a specialist in your field where you know an argument could be made that that's probably the best part of your career when you're the specialist and you fully understand everything and you are practicing in your in your own sort of field with your own patients you're tackling really challenging cases at the end of the day isn't that all what what we all want more or less to to be really really good at our jobs so um you know pushing that peak of career peak of career satisfaction back might not necessarily be the best idea but we'll also you know talk about the the pitfalls and that sort of thinking um so yeah so it's, it's a really really long long process essentially the other thing that i should probably mention is um once you're in your medical degree there's lots of options to customize it, right? Once you're in, once you're in in the rat race, so to speak, um, you can add a master's public health. You can add a master. You know, there's other options for different types of masters, um, diplomas of statistics. Um, you could attack a PhD onto the end of that. So all of these modifications can actually happen while you're studying the medical degree. And if you're, you know, three quarters, almost all the way through your medical degree, and you decide actually, I really love this. I really want to keep studying. You know, the university life is for me. I don't really want to start working just yet. You always have the option to extend, right? Whereas if you're not actually in the race, or you're not actually studying the degree, you don't you don't have that option, right? Whatever you're doing, you're doing it external to the medical degree, um, and therefore you're less flexible. You're more locked down. You're still, you know, uncertain about your career trajectory. So uh, yeah. I would say, Aaron, yeah, it's the, I was actually the given the mm. sorry, Aaron. I was given, I remember I was just, it just reminded me of some advice I was given because I, I had an honors ready to go um, for my first, you know, for year four after undergrad. And I really did seriously consider doing honors and I didn't because of some advice I was given, um, which was just not to delay doing medicine. And is I, um, the, the particular person who gave me some advice said that, you know, you can always do your honors training or some form of research training down the track you don't need it before medicine get your medicine done first and it was excellent advice and now i'm not going to do research but you know you'll, you'll have some time to, to if you know you want to do medicine you know just do that and then 
get let the research the auxiliary stuff the the icing on the top come later if that is you keep talking over each other trying to get this cake analogy yeah keep going right <laughs> and mm. i think um aaron talked about yes you know the the pathway to consultancy is long but you know if we're thinking about ourselves as pre-meds you know you're generally picking up casual jobs you're working in bars you're tutoring you're doing all these you know like essentially casual type jobs um and and you're delaying getting a full-time job in a hospital as a doctor which is a very well-paid job on you know on the spectrum but essentially you're um you know on the spectrum of income it you know you're doing better than you would be if you were um doing something of a more casual nature so um, our, my advice, and I think Aaron's advice too, would be to to try not to delay that income that you're going to get because it does free you up in other ways. And um, and being a student, as I found this year, having come out of being a student, is that being a student's hard <laughs> for lots of reasons, and it's actually quite nice to earn an income. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's a really interesting interesting point because you have to do this uh, tricky calculus. Which we'll talk about in a second where sometimes you know a lot of people are in a position where they have to move away to study and it's a little bit unaffordable um you know you have to pay university fees especially if you're international it's quite unaffordable or your full fee anyway it's really really challenging and you think to yourself gosh i need to delay this degree by one more year um to save up a bit more money to be a bit more comfortable during my degree but another thing to think about is a year where you're, you know, you're still going to retire at a fixed age. Just because you become a doctor later in life doesn't mean you retire later in life. You're going to retire at some point. Um, and if you think about this net net amount of money that you're earning throughout your life, right? becoming a doctor a year earlier will increase your net income. So really, if you're worried about the cost, you're hedging, your, you're hedging it against your future salary, if that makes sense. That's an extra you know, $60,000, $70,000 that you're going to earn by working an extra year, by becoming an intern a year early, right? And that is probably a much larger amount of money than whatever it is that you're going to earn part-time setting your degree back a year, if that makes sense. So you just have to be a little less risk-averse and think about the fact that you're hedging against future income, which is at the end of the day, what everybody does. You know, we buy a house against future income. We buy cars against future income. It, it makes sense to be, you know, even degrees, hex degrees are against future income. You just have to be more comfortable with that when you have to you know, sometimes when, when you're doing the maths regarding affordability, not always, I know it's, it's really challenging, but just something to keep in the back of your head. Um, and speaking of, of um, hedging, um, competition's getting tougher, right? Every year, more and more people want to get into med. And, you know, slowly the government is building more hospitals and slowly we're, um, we've expanded in the number of places and universities, but the competition is still as tough as ever and getting harder and harder. Um, you know, I think for every new place that they come up with, there are much more people that are wanting to do medicine and are trying to apply. So, mm. um, I mean, I think although we're not we have, we're not super um, involved with admissions at the moment, and it's been maybe eight. How long has it been? <laughs> About five years, I suppose, since we were getting admitted to, to med school. The um, it our understanding is that it's still you know there are still more people every year that are wanting to do medicine therefore you know it's it's probably exceeding the number of new places that they are creating mm, that's exactly right the competition is getting tougher and tougher so by rejecting an offer in the hope that you may get an offer next year really you know there's no guarantee there's no guarantee yeah 
and you don't and your, know your gamset might expire mm-hmm. you you you're also your personal circumstance might change you know you might have had a really good year in your third year or whatever of um of your science or arts degree and then you know something happens you know life life happens and you all of a sudden aren't able to study to the same extent for your gamset you know maybe the things that were at your fingertips scientifically wise were uh, are no longer there because you've gotten a year older high school is another you know year further away um and and maybe you've actually become less competitive somehow yeah. um so i think these these are things that you know should be considered if you've already got a competitive gamset score you know cash it in get it done exactly exactly and you know there's other things to consider as well if you decide to do an honors year now that honors year is contributing to your gpa it's your third year isn't it so um you flunk out of honors or you flunk honors because you know it's incredibly hard to do research it's not your standard lecture-based exam type subjects that's going to tank your gpa like mitch said you, you can never bank on getting a good gamsat after a good gamsat interviews you might have a terrible day yeah you might have a, a crappy week and you walk into your interview and the interview is bad and you don't mm. replicate the performance that you could you know pull off last time so uh very very unpredictable um good all right mitch well i'm pretty happy with that well i think we've we've really pitched this hard now it's time to do a 180 degree turn and talk about arguments for not accepting or perhaps deferring your medical mm. school degree so for our second part of the discussion today, we're going to be talking about all of the reasons why you should absolutely not accept your degree, quit medicine, go live your life out of the back of a, of a van, travel the world. No, I'm just kidding. But <clears throat> we are going to talk about all of the reasons why you might want to defer or maybe consider not accepting a medical offer. Things, again, mm-hmm. keep in the back of your head. We're not arguing one way or the other. We're just here to help you explore all of your available options. So... Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing we probably want to discuss is something that's going to be very, very controversial among among uh, those of you who are very committed medical samurais. Um, there are two points in your early training that are good, well, as, as far as sort of Mitch and I are aware, because we're not very far through our career, but there's two points in, in your early training where it's, it's a good time or a, a sort of logical time to pause everything and uh, take some time, spend spend a bit of time living for yourself. So, you know, if that's traveling Europe for six months, if that's, you know, um, you know working a, a landscaper job, whatever it is that your heart mm-hmm. desires, just something that, that isn't the, the quote-unquote brat race. Um, and that is after high school. So you finish high school, you might have just gotten accepted into an undergrad degree. You try and defer that by a year. And now you have a year to yourself to decompress after high school, to go live your life, do what you want. Uh, and then come back to medicine. And the other time that you can do that is between your undergraduate and postgraduate degree. So again, you've worked really, really hard, you know, three years worth of undergraduate, you've really been, you know, hammering away at the GAMSAT, you've had the stress of interviews, the rigmarole, and you've gone through all of that, and you've come out with a shiny medical offer. This is a good time to pause. Good time in the sense that it's easy, reasonably easy, easier than it is to defer a year of medical school, I would say. Um, you're also not in the middle of your training. So interrupting your, your medical school training, you're sort of in the middle of a course that's designed to span four years and designed to be delivered continuously. Whereas you're starting a new chapter between undergrad and postgrad. So it's a good time to take a break. Um, similarly, it's very challenging to take a break. An undergraduate, it's quite challenging to take a year off early on in your training, certainly 
can't do anything like that. I, I mean, you yeah. could after intern year, but um, the logistics are challenging, and you're sort of you're you're interrupting the rhythm of your career. Or your I suppose the, the caveat to that would be if you are actually given an opportunity to defer. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, these are it, it's if you can defer, and your university gives you the opportunity to defer, which is not common with medical schools. You know, like that becomes much more of an easy decision to make because you've you know you've got the spot there still reserved um once you're in medical school yes you're you're in but the university really won't want you to defer they're going to try and put pressure on you not to defer and then now you know once as where aaron and i are now in our careers you know you start thinking about what training you want to do and becoming known to a health service and to people that are going to give you references to get you onto the programs that you want to get onto. And I know this is a long way away for lots of you, but the, once you're in and you're kind of in that process, you, you become quite compelled to continue going each year. Um, and it does, if you are one of those people that has a particular career or field in mind, um, you will probably be locked in for a good period of time. So, and it's not that you can't stop, you can, but people will often ask questions why you have stopped. And if you, sure, if your mental health requires it and things, um, that's, that's another story altogether. But you just be prepared that you probably will be plugged in for the next, you know, foreseeable future once you've entered this kind of medical schooling, doctor, junior doctoring kind of sphere. Hmm. Mitch, what do you think of people who defer a medical school offer have a crack at um, applying at a different medical school. I know you you can't do that within GEMSAS. Like if you have an offer from GEMSAS, you can't. But I know that some um, schools that are extrinsic to GEMSAS, and, and this might have changed in the past couple of years, but you can get an offer from them, defer it, then have another crack um, at applications. Um, God, I really hope I'm right about this. But yeah. in theory, if something like that existed or still exists, would you recommend it? I, it depends. So for something like University of Sydney, which traditionally released their offers early, gives you more time to think, they will try and put pressure on you to accept your offer quite quickly as well. Um, it, I mean, if you can somehow delay that to give yourself more options for when the GEMSAS rounds come out, you know, that that is obviously... No, really but what I'm talking important. about here is, is not quite that. What I'm saying is, imagine you get accepted into some non-GEMSAS university, and it's not the one that okay. you want. Yeah. Yeah. Then you would you defer that for a year to have another yeah. crack at the GAMSAT in September to apply at a mm. different school next year? Or would you just accept the offer that you have? Yeah, it's a good, that's a really good question, and I think it comes down to a few points. Mm. So, I mean, if if say for instance you've been accepted to Bond, you know, like by all accounts, good medical school, expensive though. So, I mean, if you there is a really good argument with something that is ex as expensive as Bond, I think you're looking at around 60,000 per year. Or let's say you've been offered a full fee place at Melbourne or any of these other universities where they're expensive. You know, like, even though we've talked about that, that cost um, kind of um, hedging that Aaron touched on earlier, you know, it, there is a point where it just becomes so expensive that, you know, maybe that it, there is a good argument for not going in. Um, if there's a, if it's something like, um, you know, a more reasonable fee place or, um, or, or, or something that's still within your financial reach, um, definitely, um, it, 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 I would just say, take the medical offer and, and go ahead with it. Um, mm. But you also have to think about, you know, the costs of not only the degree, but the costs of living in a place as well. You know, 
if you're living, if you're say you're from rural Victoria or rural South Australia and you take a, a spot in Sydney, expect that the cost of living is going to be much higher. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for people to be paying 350, 400 in rent per week. So, I mean, these are quite significant financial pressures and will affect your quality of life. Um, if you don't have the kind of the financial means to, to bear that sort of brunt. Um, you, I think that there's also things to be considered, you know, uh, in the way of supports, you know, like family. Do you have, if you're a, a real family person and you love having your family around and you're, a, you know, you, you would crumble without family support. Look, that's something that needs to be considered for you specifically. I think if you can get around it somehow, you know, if your family can come visit you, if you can just, you know, start doing video calling regularly with your family, um, you know, this is something that can be worked around and I would encourage you strongly to work around it if possible. Um, the last thing I think is, is relationships. Um, and, and I think it's pretty common for people when they finish undergrad to be, you know, more settled, they might have a relationship. Um, the, you will find that when you are in medical school, there is a relationship cull that, that tends to happen. Um, and that's because the medical degree is so demanding. If you're away in another state, it's, it's very, very challenging. And so, um, you know, you have to really weigh up your career aspirations and all the things that we've said in favor of taking the, um, the medical place against your relationship with this person. Um, so, you know, these are really tough things to think about, but if you're mature about it and you and your partner are on the same page, then it shouldn't really matter. Yeah, and I mean, Mitch is saying this as a person who, who's weathered the storm, um, who's, who's uh, been in a relationship <laughs> and been overstate, interstate. So this relationship, Carl, we're not meaning to scare you. We're just saying that you have to be careful. Don't let, it, don't let the university life consume you don't be so absorbed in everything. And I guess that that's, that's the overarching argument that, you know, that, that not accepting an offer boils down to or should boil down to is, um, is this offer going to get in the way of the way I want to live my life? If the way you want to live your life involves taking a year off, if the way you want to live your life adamantly involves a family, involves your support network, involves your partner, then these are pertinent arguments or, you know, cost of living. These are pertinent arguments for not accepting your offer. Things like university prestige and hedging your bets and going to a more prestigious university. And I think Mitch and I, we've covered this in great detail in a previous episode where we absolutely wrecked QS rankings <laughs> and just dis dismantled them and showed you guys that they don't mean anything. Uh, they shouldn't mean anything uh, when it comes to your decision-making about where you should go, where you should study. So these things like prestige, they really shouldn't factor into it. It's only about no. your life, your quality of life. Yeah. So Definitely. none of that matters um now but i think with it, the last thing i I, had, I thought of one last last thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last, i think last thing. Going, going back going back to that duration we talked about you know it's, it's a long process getting your medical degree i think it's worth noting that at the end of medicine you you're compelled almost to take an internship in the state in which you train so if you're thinking, oh, I'll just take a, you know, a job at the university, oh, sorry, not a job. If you're taking a university spot at the University of Queensland, you know, don't budget for, or it, it would be not in your best interest maybe to budget for just a four year excursion up to Queensland. Expect to be there for five years because your internship likely will have to be in, in, in the state of Queensland. 
Mm. And, you know, then you've entered the process of going about being a junior doctor. And if you change states, you almost, you know, you go back to being somewhat of an unknown quantity again. So that may increase your training duration or your pre-training period. That's um, right. That's right. Because when you're applying for jobs, you have the home advantage. You're preferenced higher as a local intern from, from the current state. Um, and I mean, this is doubly so in Victoria where you have to apply with resumes. So it's not just being preferenced as a local because of the way the system works. You're also being preferenced as somebody who is known at a particular hospital where you're applying. Um, and like Mitch was saying, if you shift states, if you're part of a training program, look, it's, I, I, we can't really speak to that yet. But if you're a junior doctor, um, and, and I've seen this, if you're a junior doctor and you're applying for training, um, you need references. You need people at the hospital that are going to back you. And it's more likely that you're going to be backed if you're a known quantity. And this is not actually unreasonable. You know, if you're known to the department, if you have a proven track record, um, you, still, you know, it's not, not to say that you can't get a job on merit. And again, not that Mitch and I have an abundance of experience here, but it's understandable that in medicine, as in any industry, known quantities are always preferred, right? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, again, plenty of people move into state, plenty of people move between hospitals, but definitely, as Mitch is saying, because you're going to be bottom of the pecking order or almost close to the bottom of the pecking order when it comes to interstate internships, um, you should definitely budget for that internship to happen in the state that you did your training, unless you absolutely are willing to go anywhere. Right? If you say, I'm going back to Victoria, it doesn't matter if I'm in, in a tiny town, population three, you know, and, and I will take whatever spot is allotted, is allotted to me, then probably you have a better chance. But if you're looking at a major hospital, a metropolitan hospital, it's probably, um, it's more likely We'll, mm. we'll give this a, a we'll, we'll say it in the softest terms possible so nobody can can catch us out on anything um <laughs> it's more likely that you will have to stay in the state where you did your training um it'd be more beneficial yeah. as well that's yeah fine. so in a nutshell that that's essentially us weighing up why you should accept or not accept an offer um don't worry about prestige worry about your life that's the the executive summary um, think about the lifestyle factors, think about the training factors and get into the pathway. And then once you're in, you can amend it and modify it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. to the point where, where, again, Mitch and I are now looking forward to sort of, we're starting to consider how and where we're going to train. And we're thinking, oh, you know, there's all these courses that we can do, um, all of these things that are provided to us by the university, all these things that are provided to us by our home-based hospitals. So um, there's lots of options for additional training. Uh, that you can do concurrently with medicine without compromising the, the duration yeah. of the career. Good. My, my final remark would just be that you, the, the degree is so all consuming. Don't think because, oh, I don't know anyone. I don't have any supports. You know, you will find supports within your medical degree. You will make great friends within your medical degree. You know, the it's, it's such an all consuming activity, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> the, the study of medicine um, that, uh, that your 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 extrinsic life suffers, <laughs> so be ready for that. But you you know it's so all consuming that you will find supports and you will find a new kind of um, structure in which to, to to live your life, and it, and it will be good. So um, don't stress about having to move; it's not a problem. So you build a structure, then there's a ten week week cull, the structure falls apart, and then you build another structure, and that lasts you the rest of your career, right, Mitch? Okay. I think I think Mitch is making it out to be a little bit more dramatic than, than it might have been but um yeah and again maybe I'm just a recluse that never experienced this maybe I was just too busy 
tutoring GAMSAT and, and um, you know, getting, getting on with my medical studies to be called. Maybe I got called and I never noticed. Anyway, um, no, it's not all that bad. It's actually quite good. It's quite fantastic. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure recording this and you'll hear more from us as we move through the fifth season. Whether you're a new listener or a longtime fan of the pre-admission game, if you like what Phrases is about, make sure to get the best deal on the course offers by using the promo code PODCAST2022. That's PODCAST2022.